this is the group of individuals that is coming into the workforce, right? I think number one, the easiest thing to understand is this group of individuals is going to be making up, I think the stat is by 2025, we'll be making up 27% of the workforce. So as we consider what our workforce is going to look like, this, this is going to be a majority of it in the very short term. Today, I'm talking about Generation Z with Jordan Arnold, who is a senior workplace advisor at Allsteel. She has 15 years experience advising clients on industry trends that guide them to make more informed decisions. I recorded this in the beautiful and inspiring Allsteel Experience Center located in Fulton Market, Chicago. Having three boys that fall into the Gen Z category, I was very interested to learn more about what may inform their views as it relates to workplace. Welcome to the program, Jordan. Thank you, Dougal. It's good to be here. So you're somewhat of an expert in this generation known as Gen Z. Why don't we start off with the basics? Yep. How would you describe this generation? What are the characteristics? So Gen Z, if we think about it from kind of a practical standpoint, is going to be those individuals that are between the ages of 18 and 26. Uh, So it is the generation after the millennial generation that is now kind of coming up into the workforce, coming up into the world, and a conversation that we're having a lot around them is what matters to them, right? So when we think about the characteristics of that generation, the things that are meaningful to Gen Z and what we're hearing about are, are really, I anchor in on kind of two things that matter to them. One of them is this idea of practicality, which sounds maybe not like what you'd expect about Gen Z, and we can dig into this a little bit more later. But the the duality of that and the other side of that coin is this idea of kind of aspiration and meaning. So we can kind of dig into the ideas behind those. But when I think about Gen Z as a whole, uh, those are kind of the key ideas that come to mind. Okay. And that's a pretty big range of ages. Uh, yeah. Is there... I mean, obviously, where there's certain stereotypes within that, but is it, sure. is it bifurcated at all within that? There are some people that might self-identify one way or the other on the top end or the bottom end of that spectrum, right? So I, I myself am a millennial, but I might define myself as an elder millennial because I fall on the top end of that spectrum. And there's no specific kind of uh, rules about the the years that create these generational segments. Yes. They tend to be kind of a little bit loosey-goosey on either side, but that's generally what we talk about when we think about this range. Okay. So if I'm an old soul, I could be a boomer. You could define yourself <laughs> as an old soul if you would like. Okay. It is up to you. Self-declared. Um, all right, good. So what is it about this generation that causes us to you know, focus on? Why should we care about this Gen Z? Obviously, we should care about all the generations. Sure. But what is it about them that makes them somewhat special? Sure. Well, I think on a, on a very practical level, this is the group of individuals that is coming into the workforce, right? I think number one, the easiest thing to understand is this group of individuals is going to be making up, I think the stat is by 2025, we'll be making up 27% of the workforce. So as we consider what our workforce is going to look like, this, this is going to be a majority of it in the very short term. I remember having this conversation 10 years, about, 10 years ago about millennials and how that was going to change the shape of how we work and, and how we come to the workforce. And the same thing's happening with, with Gen Z. So on one level, we need to understand them because they are going to be making up the majority of the, the workforce today. Additionally, they are making up the majority of our consumers, right? So depending on the industry you're in, they are consuming your product. They're consuming your services. They are who we're trying to market to on a large scale. So on that level, it definitely matters. And then additionally, if I can get a little bit, I don't know, touchy-feely about it, they're human beings, right? And it's another layer that we can use to understand the people that we're interacting with day to day, whether 
at home, whether at work, whether on the subway. So I think there's a couple of reasons that it's meaningful to consider Gen Z. Yes. And I have three Gen Zs in my family. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about them in the in the context of them working in the professional setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do too. The funny thing is I was telling Julie, I have three stepchildren that are all within that Gen Z category. And some of the things that we'll talk about, it's interesting how that shows up for each of them. So I'd be interesting, interested to hear kind of what your perspective is as we go through this and Absolutely. how that maybe applies to your kids. Yeah. Well, quick little like tidbit would when my son was getting an internship, one of his key points was, Dad, I want to be in the office. Yeah. I don't want to be virtual. I was yeah. like, rah, rah, let's go. No, it's really, really fascinating. So I think there's this automatic expectation that Gen Z wants to be remote and digital and virtual all the time. And while there is a desire for that in the right moments, what we're understanding is that Gen Z has a desire to connect. Like human connection, coming together, having conversations is incredibly important to Gen Z for a lot of reasons. And I think especially because of the last few years that we've gone through as a world, Gen Z is hungry to be able to build those connections in person because they haven't had that opportunity in their in their work lifetime, right? So now we're coming back to a time where they have that available to them. And so they're they're eager for it. But I would say that's balanced with the understanding that Gen Z also desires the flexibility to work the best way that they can. And that might mean working remote some of the time and working in person other parts of the time. But the 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 assumption that they want to be remote and virtual and digital all the time is I think broadly incorrect. Right. And COVID was one of those historical moments yeah. uh, defining some of them, you know, maybe at different, different stages there. But what are some of the other historical moments and societal experiences that shaped this generation? For sure. So COVID has been a big one as, as we think about, you know, the, the high school experience, the college experience for some of these individuals and how that was just dynamically impacted by this major world event, it has 100% changed how they show up in the workplace. Additionally, we think about this generation as the first generation of digital natives. So the millennial generation is often defined by the kind of the exploration of what's possible in the digital world, right? Social media channels came to fruition and blossomed during that time. And they were the, the generation that the internet was born during, right? So that defines our millennials. But when we think about Gen Z, that has always been reality, right? That has always been truth. That is all they've ever known. And so uh, that results in a couple of things. One of the things is they are actually a little bit more private which might sound like a, a contrary opinion, but they're often more private on social channels because they've seen how the millennial generation has been impacted by being broadly open, right? The, the fact that employers are using social channels to track down and understand people's history. I think the, that Gen Z is more acutely aware of some of those things. And while it might seem like they are a more public generation because we see them on Instagram promoting something or sharing a brand in one place or another, the reality is... To them, that's work, right? That's hustling. That's doing something a little bit more practical. And the personal element, they're very much more protective of, which is why, why apps like Snapchat became as prominent as it did. It's because it exists for a moment in time. It creates that individual connection, and then it goes away. So the, the kind of digital native aspect and the experience, the COVID experience that we've had over the last few years have definitely defined a lot about what makes Gen Z Gen Z. Yeah. So those in some in some way kind of push and pull against yes. each other, right? Because Absolutely. they want to make these human connections, but they're very adept at communicating via Slack messaging and all that. Yep. 
and through some of the stuff I've read that you sent, they prefer to actually communicate through Slack and others, but yet they desire, you know, face to face. So yes. how, how, how does a, uh, a manager or space yeah. kind of balance that? I think it really comes down to this idea of using the right mode at the right time, right? So I think thinking back to five, 10 years ago, there was only one mode for the most part, right? It was in person. We were all in person most of the time with a few exceptions of being remote or hybrid, but the reality was it was all in person all the time. And I think what we're moving into is a space where that's not the the only answer and where we have the opportunity to select the mode that works best for us and for the type of work that we're doing. So when I think about Gen Z, I think they crave that control. They crave that ability to choose what works best for them in the moment. And in many cases, that might be working from home to get specific kind of work done. But on the other side of that, they do crave that human connection because that's not something they've been able to do over the last few years. So when it comes to innovation and ideation and collaboration and especially mentorship, they want to come up and show up in person to be able to build that connection. So I think it really comes back to this idea of anchoring in on the right mode for the right thing. And that's what matters to Gen Z. So talk about mentorship for a minute. I mean, whether or not it's, you know, Gen X or boomers that are mentoring them, are there similarities between certain generations? There's something you had mentioned called the boomerfication. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Sure thing. So we did some partnered research with Think Lab, and what came out of that was actually really surprising to us. So this, I, we, we expected this kind of like ascending line of opinions, right? So that the, the silent generation or the traditionalists would believe one thing, and then boomers would be a little bit more, and Gen X would be a little bit more. We expected this line to run straight upwards. But what we found is that millennials tended to kind of sit at the top the peak of those responses and then or then Gen Z kind of popped down to be more similar to the boomer generation or Gen X so there was kind of not a full bell curve but kind of this shift downwards and I think there's a little bit of a, a pendulum here right so we're seeing a little bit of a pendulum effect as that pulls itself backwards but at the end of the day, Gen Z is interested in some of the things that the older generations were maybe interested in as well. So we come back to this idea of human connection, meeting in person, the desire. I mean, we can even tie back to the the, the generations that raised them, right? So we think about Gen X and the boomer generations being the ones that brought up Gen Z. So there is this connectivity between the things that matter to them. So there's this really interesting depth of connection there and this really interesting shift that happens where we're seeing actually more kind of dynamic opinions from the millennial generation than we are seeing from Gen Z. Okay. In that study you mentioned, I think through Think Lab, there was something that surprised me and it was that most Gen Zs feel that they can build meaningful relationships without meeting someone in person. Mm -hmm. Why is that and what do work relationships mean to them? So the, it's, it is that because that is what they know, right? So I think about my youngest stepchild has legitimate, like close friends that they met playing video games, Right. Friends across the country that they've talked to for years that they met playing some sort of video game. And that's a a true friend of theirs. So it's interesting. This 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 ability to connect, ability to build relationships is proven 
to them on a digital scale. So I think the the reality is that they know it's possible. So it's not that they don't want to connect in person, but they know it's possible to connect digitally. And to come back to what we were talking about before, this idea of of using the right mode for the right connection, I think is what this comes down to. The, The truth is they know it's possible. They know the ways in order to do it, right? What we were talking about before, the Slack channels or Teams chat or Skype or whatever the 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 way that we engage in an asynchronous manner is, they know how to do that. They know it works. But what's interesting again to come back to this kind of bell curve is that in that same question, they were actually they actually responded less than millennial to this idea that you can make build relationships fully not in person, right? So there's still that build back. There's still that kind of bell that's coming back down where millennials have that more dynamic opinion of what's possible there. And Gen Z is more open to the way that things are moving. Yeah, I guess that's where, as a Gen Xer, I would push back on what I think is important. And I I believe exactly what you said, where, you know, the the younger generation can can actually build these relationships, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's through gaming or through Slack and stuff. But you have to layer that in with actual human interaction. Otherwise, you know, I have seen studies where, you know, that's where problems can arise because you you need to see these people. Otherwise, they're not as real as they can be. And you never get the full scope. Absolutely. I, I I totally agree. And I and I don't think Gen Z would disagree with you either. Like Gen Z is a as a broad generational entity, right? Yeah. I think they do like we talked about before, they do crave that connection. But I think what they're pushing on is this requirement that it all happens in person. Yeah. Right? This requirement that the only way to do it is, you know choice A. The reality is that there's choice A through Z and beyond when it comes to how those things get built. And that's kind of where we're seeing that difference and that shift happen. Okay. What kind of things can managers do to effectively manage the multiple generations yeah. in the office? That's a big one, nope. right? It's tough. It is tough. And so I'm going to use a I'm going to use a metaphor here and I think about this a little bit like like a like a dining room table, right? So the first thing we need to do even before we think about generational differences is we need to understand the tools, kind of the setup that we need to work in the way that we need to work today, right? So thinking about the way that we've come into this kind of hybrid space, the way that we're working in a either fully remote or fully in-person manner, like understanding the structure of that is like setting the table, right? And then when we think about each individual person, there's kind of this, this place that each person has there that a manager can adjust and tweak approach in a way that is beneficial to them, either from a personality standpoint, right, which we already do day to day as we think about what does Jordan need to, in order to be well supported as a part of a, as a part of this team. In the same way that we can do that based on what you know about me, we can also set that place, understanding what that generation cares about and what matters deeply to those individuals. It's an additional lens that we can use uh, to create a space that works best for all individuals. Like this idea of mentorship. I've had this conversation with a couple of folks recently talking about, you know, what mentorship means. And I think what, what sometimes happens is we approach it in the way that we know it, right? So I learned how to do what I do in this way. I was mentored in this way and I'm offering that to my team and they're not responding, right? So, cause I think that this is the best way to do it. But the reality is sometimes we need to consider Gen Z desires deeply to be mentored, but maybe the way that it's always been done isn't the easiest way for them to accept it, right? The conversation I had was about someone who was mentored by sitting outside their boss's office 
every day so they could get five to 10 minutes to pop in and learn as they moved through. But the reality is that's not how we work today, right? That's not how we can show up on a day-to-day basis because of the reality of our world. And so it, it's on the, the, the onus is on the manager to understand what are some ways that I can offer this to them in a way that it's easier for them to accept, is easy for them to take advantage of. Because at the end of the day, the, there's a connection there between what I want to give and what they want to receive. It's just a matter of finding that clear path between those two things. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets challenging, I think, across the board. But, you know, when you look at within the actual walls of the space, mm-hmm. in terms of what that might look like and how that might be translated to, mm-hmm. the space right now, we're all moving towards more of a, you know, heavier on the soft seating, large yep. kitchens, collaboration, ideation, those sort of things. Yeah. So you're going to have disparate generations within that space collaborating some sort. And I'm just wondering how effective that really is when you're talking these multiple generations. Because even when you're talking about lunchtime, yeah, right? People yeah. are eating at different times, they're eating different things. For sure. Some people like to have conversations, other people don't. Yeah. How does that all kind of fit into the physical space? And how does that translate? I know each industry is a little bit different. Sure. But when I think about kind of, if we think about Gen Z's lens first, right? And say, what does that generation desire and seek out when it comes to organizations and the type of space that they're working in? One of the big things that we hear a lot about is the idea of transparency, right? And I think that applies both in a physical space and also when we think about the organization itself. So when we consider physical environments, the visibility to leadership, the visibility to their other team members to know when they're available to pop in and have a conversation. But then on the organizational side, the visibility to know what matters, like the purpose of the organization, what they're doing from a a corporate social responsibility standpoint, right? So there's kind of those two angles of transparency. As I think about how it layers over top of all of the other generations, I think it comes back to this desire to connect. Right. It comes back to this desire to come together, to work together. You're right. There's going to be individuals that prefer different things that that work in a different way. But what I'm consistently hearing is that there's so much value and benefit that teams are finding from the multi-generational individuals that exist within it. Right. And I think the 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 common default go to is, you know, Gen Z can can teach the older folks about technology and then the older folks can teach them about the way things always have been. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily ideal state. I think that's a that's kind of a trope as it relates to what that collaboration can look like. But I think the the opportunity connect can create so many different opportunities like, you know, Gen Z might be bringing different perspectives, different ways to think about how work could get done. The, the, the generation itself is very good at bringing people together and having inspiring conversations about hard things, right? It's a very, it's a very, it's an, it's a generation very driven by activism and by social responsibility. And those are all tough conversations. So they're very adept at navigating that. So it's, could that be something that we leverage from that generation to build into the conversations that we can have across others? And I think, so at the end of the day, I think the the spaces that we build need to be built in a way that allow for that, that allow us to see each other when we have the opportunity to connect and create a space where we feel safe having that connection and building that camaraderie. Right. Well, that's, yeah. And I think, you know, what, what what some companies could do is they could actually activate their space to for that community connection. So Absolutely. maybe you allow you know, employees to whatever causes they're involved with, they can utilize the conference room after work for their groups and stuff. And so the space becomes connected to the community as opposed to just a place for work. Absolutely. That could be interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this idea when we think about hybrid work, about the purpose of the office, 
right? Like, what's the point of it? And I, I firmly believe there is a point, right? In the, the job that I do, it's important that there is a point. But at the end of the day, companies need to really align on what why they have a physical office space. And it might be innovation, it might be collaboration, but it also could be community connection. It could be things that are also gonna drive desire and attraction and retention for these younger generations that many companies are trying to bring in. Yeah, I'm seeing, in talking with the C-suite, one of the big struggles is they're saying, look, we're gonna provide all these things to the employees, right? We're gonna provide mental health opportunity or we're gonna provide beautiful space. So the challenge is, People expect the employers to help them kind of hold their hand through it yeah. when really it's, you know, here's what it is. You guys utilize it. Managers shouldn't be parents either. No, right. And no. that's kind of a challenge. It is. And I think there is kind of there's a middle ground of building the right a cultural permissions to take advantage. Right. Because I think there are still some lingering cultural issues when it comes to taking advantage of mental health resources. Right. So that also comes down to leaders being willing to be vulnerable right? Being willing to show their softer side in order to show that that's okay. And then the other side of it is education, right? So making sure that there's a broad and full understanding of what's available and that it's okay to use it. But I think you're right there. There does need to be that step in order to take advantage. But I think oftentimes there's this gap in those cultural permissions and the education piece in order to make it feel okay to take that step. Absolutely. That's probably one of the bigger gaps in terms of, you know, bringing your true self to the office and a manager actually seeing Accepting yourself yeah. and seeing how it can add value to the organization or not. But right. that's a that's a big one. Yeah. So the the hybrid model yeah. that most of the companies I work with are adopting a, a version of, of hybrid. Mm-hmm. I have very few clients that are going fully remote. Yep. I have very few clients that are going in the office all day. So it's hybrid all the wiggly model, spot in the middle. It's all the yep. wiggly spot in the middle. And, you know, one of the challenges is getting people in at the same time that can mm-hmm. help each other out and all that. You know, what, what's what are some of the hardest things regarding the hybrid model to maximize the potential of a uh, of a space in an office? Yeah. So I would say the broadest challenge is going to be this idea of clarity, right? So I already alluded to this idea of what's the purpose of the office, which I think many organizations are still still struggling to define is what is the purpose of my office space? I think a lot of organizations are still using the office that they built 10 years ago and expecting it to behave as effectively as it did then. And the reality is we don't work in the way that we worked 10 years ago. But that clarity also applies to what hybrid means to that company. I think what has happened is everyone's in that wiggly space in the middle and no one, not no one, not many people are defining what they want hybrid to be. It's kind of, it's a little bit of the Wild West in saying, yes, we are a hybrid organization, but to your point, how do we then build the right parameters so we are in office at the right time together, if that's important, right? The, the, that, is it two days, two days work from home on Monday and Friday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the middle is, is when we're coming into the office. I've seen multiple different models, and the challenge is there is no one answer. And there is no there is no way to rubber stamp a solution from one organization to another because there are a million different ways that it can work together. And so what I would say is that there needs to be a clarity of purpose in what that space is there to do. Right. We need to align on a on a high level from an organizational standpoint on that. And then the second piece, which I think organizations are wary to do because they think it will create an environment that doesn't foster attraction and retention. But I think we need to build clarity on what the expectations are, 
right? It's like it's like parenting. You know, children thrive when they have some sort of structure, when there are boundaries. And the reality is, if we just say hybrid is hybrid, good luck. Of course, it's not going to be ultimately successful because there are no parameters. So where we've seen the most success with organizations that we work with is when they align on what matters to them, what, what the purpose of the office is, and they build structured parameters around what hybrid means to them and how to be successful in that model. Right. And building beautiful space yeah. with all the necessary accoutrements is still very, very valuable. Yes, thankfully. Yeah. Considering yeah. what my job is. Yeah, exactly. But, but yes, and I but I think the what that beautiful space looks like depends on what you're using it for, right? Yep. And so beautiful space for the sake of beautiful space isn't gonna bring people back. And I think that often is a, a misconception as well. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna redo everything and do build this beautiful glass environment and then, you know, if I build it, they will come. Right. That's a little Iowa field of dreams reference for you. But the reality is that's not the case. Right. You need to make sure that that space is designed to do the work that is getting done there. Right. That 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 purpose of the office is clear and people know that when they're coming in, that's what it's there for. Right. It's for ideation. It's for innovation. It's hospitality or amenity space. Like I don't whatever that thing is. Yeah. It needs to be designed with that purpose in mind. Yeah. And people need to be educated as to why the space was built a certain way. Absolutely. And here's how you can use it and here are yes. the benefits. Hopefully it works for, for some yeah. and gets people in. Yeah. Even this space, like this is a, a show space for us, right? It is a showroom where we can show the product that we do, that right. we that we create and the applications that we support. But there was also a learning curve for the local team here to be able to walk in and say, where can I work today? Right? What's happening in this space that I need to understand so that I can be effective and I can make sure that the space is effective. So right. even, even in the transition here, that's been something our team has had to deal with. Right, right. Okay, as we're wrapping this up, I have one more question. It's Great. the hardest one. Ooh. We're at the end of the alphabet. <laughs> so what is the next generation going to be called? And why um, did they start with Gen X? I don't know. I don't know. That wasn't very thoughtful. That wasn't. There wasn't a lot of forethought in that one. There's a lot of conversation and buzz around Generation Alpha, which would be the next one. So I guess oh, we're starting we're over. We're going back. Okay. We're, we're, we're rounding the horde yeah. Uh, yeah. back to A. And Generation Alpha will be coming up next from what I understand. <laughs> Okay. I'm no expert. I'm not defining it. Right. We'll have to wait um, a few more years yes, for that. Yes, and then we'll then we'll hear. All right. Good. Well, I think that's it. Appreciate your time, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to do it. Thanks for thanks for having me. Straight from a page of your favorite author And the weather's so breezy Man, why can't life always be this easy? She in the mirror dancing so sleazy I get a call like, where are you, Yeezy? And try to hit you with the old Wapti Till I got flashed by the paparazzi Damn, these niggas got me I hate these niggas As more than I not call, I know you love to show off But I never thought that you would take it this far what do i know flashing lights lights what do i know 
it's been a while, sweetheart. We hardly talk. I was doing my thing. I know what was fair, baby, hey, babe, lately, you've been all on my brain. And if somebody would have told me a month ago, front and oh, yo, I wouldn't want to know. If somebody would have told me a year ago, it'd go get this difficult. Feeling like Katrina with no FEMA, like Martin with no Gina, like a flight with no visa. First class with the seat back, I still see ya. In my past, you on the other side of the glass of my memories museum. I'm just saying, hey, Mona Lisa, come home. You know you can't roam As without I recall, Caesar. I know 